0: Time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk
1: about Him. Getting
2: you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic
3: drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you on this Tuesday, July the 19th, 2022. Praise be to God. Here's a question. Has modern media created the ultramontane or the supremacy of the papacy? Hmm. Dr. Derek Taylor is going to weigh in on that subject coming up at 35 past the hour. He is a adjunct professor in history, uh, and uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, Vatican I and the ultramontane uh, supremacy of the papacy issue that uh, many are struggling with in the church today. Also, at 15 past the hour, there is uh, uh, a story that broke yesterday. Father James Jackson, FSSP, was arrested again, this time in Kansas. We're going to catch up on that story. Was it more of the same? That's part of the reportage. On this topic, we're going to cover that. And if you can join us in the next hour, the top of the next hour, attorney Brent Haynes, pro life, religious liberty, Catholic speaker, is uh, going to catch us up on some stories, like, for instance, a flight attendant who was fired for her pro life. Views wins $5.1 million in a lawsuit. Kind of a big deal. Did you catch the Elizabeth Warren shenanigan uh, video about uh, these evil pro-life clinics? They're outnumbering us. We've got to do something. We'll talk about that with Brent Haynes at the top of the next hour. Hey, lots of stories in the news. California School Board wants to open a Planned Parenthood inside of a school there in an uh, 80% man. Latino district. Ugh. Yeah. In Savannah, the bishop there has issued a statement on July the 15th, saying that three diocesan parishes would cease to offer the traditional Latin mass uh, as uh, as oh they get to go to May. So wow, what generosity! He gets to allow them to continue to say the traditional mass until May. It's kind of crazy. Hey, the Biden administration has sold nearly six million dollars of your strategic oil to China. So. Enjoy that. Hey, District Columbia, the mayor there, Mariel Bowser, who has, by the way... Declared her city a sanctuary city for illegal immigrants. Is now complaining about the masses of buses that are being uh, brought into her town of illegals from Arizona and Texas. Well, there you go. You did say you were (laughs) a sanctuary. And you might have missed this, but July the 17th, just two days ago, marked the 104-year anniversary of the brutal murder of the Romanov family by the communists under Vladimir Lenin. What's going on with you this morning, Rudy Carlos?
5: Oh, you know, just a little bit of the same here, Tuesday morning. Yeah. We're uh, we're chugging along here, huh? Chugging along. There.
4: We're almost halfway there.
5: Hey, I got this really cool email yesterday. Mm-hmm. The sponsor of the game show said, hey, if you guys are interested, I'm going to give you a promo code for those who, who want to shop on the store. You can get 10% off, so wow. I'm going to give that out. What's the store? Uh, this is Saint Wave over on Etsy. Oh, neat. Praise be to God. So if you want to check out uh, Saint Wave, go to etsy.com slash shop slash Saint Wave. And then at checkout, you can type in CAT, C A T, Mm -hmm. drive time, and Mm -hmm. you get 10% off your order.
4: Uh, You know, maybe uh, Friday when I send out the CDT insider email, you can remind me of that, and I may include that in the email. All right. I I have a bad memory when it comes to stuff like that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll prod me a little bit there. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Yeah, are you awake over there? (laughs) I am awake. (laughs) Are you okay? I didn't mean to startle you. (laughs) I forget to uh,
3: grab my mic from the. I always forget. I leave it over here and Uh I have to bring it closer. Uh huh. Always forget that. Okay, Mm -hmm. we'll bring it. But, you know, I had a good day yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. uh, My cousin's uh, birthday was yesterday so went oh. over to his house oh happy, happy birthday, birthday. birthday cousin he turned 18 so it's weird he's an adult huh. well, why is it weird that he's an adult because if he's an adult that means mm-hmm. i'm old you are old i am old now. this is true i'm almost a quarter of a century old <sighs> You should be sitting down when you say that. Don't stand. I'm, I'm getting a Man, your vintage, actually. your hips might start going right. out on you. I'm, I'm already getting lightheaded, to be honest. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs>
6: little,
4: oh, woozy. please. Good, I got socks that are 24 years old. I didn't want to talk Yikes, about it. Yikes, that's gross. Nice. <laughs> and I've washed them at least Good a couple times, anyway.
5: yeah. <laughs> I still have a shirt from middle school. Do people. you really? Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm serious. You're crazy. It's it's my favorite shirt. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Yikes. Last a lifetime.
4: <laughs> All right. Praise be to God. We're going gonna to jump into it and pray. Do us a favor. Share us with a friend, though. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence i fly unto thee o virgin of virgins my mother to thee do i come before thee i stand sinful and sorrowful o mother of the word incarnate despise not my petitions but in thy mercy hear and answer me Amen. In the name of the Father, the
5: Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, July 19th, and here are your headlines this morning. Wow, the 19th. We're almost like half. We're like way over the halfway point of this month. It's pretty crazy. All right, this one's from Breitbart. Paul Pelosi buys millions in semiconductor stocks before congressional subsidy vote. Paul Pelosi, who's the husband of Nancy Pelosi, purchased 20,000 shares worth. Of the stock between one million and five million dollars in Nvidia, a semiconductor company based in Santa Clara, California, which is, which was revealed in a disclosure that Nancy Pelosi filed with the House of Representatives on Thursday night, right before the Senate is said to vote on a com- uh, competition bill next week that would give 52 million billion actually, uh, 52 billion dollars worth of sus- subsidies to the semiconductor industry. The Washington Examiner reports House to set House set to vote on proposal that would codify same sex marriage into federal law. The House of Representatives is expected to vote this week on a bill that would enshrine into federal law the supposed right to same sex marriage. Lawmakers say this is a response to suggestions by Justice Clarence Thomas that the Supreme Court could revisit the right to same sex marriage in the wake of the court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. The legislation, ironically named Respect for Marriage Act, was introduced by a group of mostly Democratic lawmakers on Monday. If enacted, the bill would repeal the Defense of Marriage Act, the 1996 law that defined marriage for federal purposes, as a union of one man and one woman. The bill would also alter the federal definition of marriage to include same-sex unions. The Epic Times reports, Texas gunman's family refused to illegally buy him guns. This is the gunman in Uvalde ramos was described as living at home and hoarding money telling acquaintances that he was saving for something big and that they would all see him in the news one day the owner of the gun store where he purchased the guns said the man struck him as an average customer with no red flags or suspicious conditions he recalled asking ramos how he could afford to spend thousands of dollars on guns and he was told he saved up for the purchases other patrons however told the fbi that the uh, after the shooting that ramos was nervous looking and appeared odd and some <laughs> said he looked like a school shooter reuters reports west virginia judge blocks pre roe versus wade abortion ban a west virginia judge on monday blocked officials from enforcing a 19th century ban on abortions after the u.s supreme court overturned the 1973 roe v. wade decision that recognized the supposed con- constitutional right of women to kill their children in the womb the decision by Kanawha County Circuit Judge Tara Salongo clears the way for the state's lone abortion clinic to resume services, which it suspended out of fear of, of prosecution following the U.S. Supreme Court's June 24th ruling. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you.
3: The saint of the day is St. Mary McCullough. I hope I'm saying that right. It's an Australian saint, so who knows? If St. Mary McCullough was alive today, she would be a household name. It's not that she sought the limelight. And on the contrary, she simply wanted to serve the poor wherever she found them in her native Australia. One might say she just wanted to live the Catholic faith. But along the way, she managed to arouse the ire of some rather powerful churchmen. One even excommunicated her. Born in Melbourne in 1842, to parents who had immigrated from Scotland, Mary grew up in a family that forced constant financial struggles. As a young woman, she was drawn to religious life, but could not find an existing order of sisters that met her needs. In 1860, she met with Father Julian Woods, who became her spiritual director. Together, they founded a new community of women, the Sisters of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart, also known as the Josephite Sisters. Its members were to staff schools, especially for poor children, as well as orphanages to do other works of charity. As the congregation grew, so did Mary Culloch's problems. Her priest friend proved unreliable in many ways, and his responsibilities for direction of the sisters were removed. Meanwhile, Mary had the support of some local bishops as she and her sisters went about their work. But the bishops in South Australia, aging and relying on others for advice, briefly excommunicated Mary, charging her with disobedience. They dispense, they, and they dispensed 50 of her sisters from their vows. In truth, the bishops' quarrel was about power and who had authority over whom. And ultimately, the excommunication would be rescinded. Mary insisted that her congregation should be governed by an elected mother-general, answerable to Rome, and not to the local bishop. There also were disputes about whether or not the congregation should own property. In the end, Rome proved to be Mary's best source of support after a long wait, official approval of the congregation and how it was to be governed came from Pope Leo XIII himself. Despite her struggles with church authorities, McCulloch and her sisters were able to offer social services that few, if any, government agencies in Australia could. They served Protestants and Catholics alike, and they worked among the aboriginals. They taught in schools and orphanages and served unmarried mothers. Money, actually the lack of it, was a constant worry, but the sisters who begged from door to door were bolstered by faith by the conviction that their struggles were opportunities to grow closer to God.
4: St. Mary McCulloch Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. While Jesus was speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers appeared outside, wishing to speak with him. Someone told him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, asking to speak with you. But he said in reply to the one who told him, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? and stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my heavenly Father is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. See, some would say, see, you Catholics. Worshiping Mary, giving Mary so much. She, he, Jesus had other brothers like from Mary. Hello. And look, look. He like disses her right here, hardcore. Is that the case? Is that what's going down here? Hmm. Well, Ignatius' Catholic uh, commentary said, Far. From undermining the role of Mary, Jesus reveals the true greatness of her divine maternity. Well, how is that? Well, here is what St. Jerome would say in regards to brothers. He says, quote, But some suspect the brethren of the Lord to be sons of Joseph by another wife, following the idle fancies of apocryphal writers who have coined a certain woman called Esca. But we understand by brethren of the Lord, not the sons of Joseph, but cousins of the Savior, sons of a sister of Mary and aunt of the Lord, who is said to be the mother of James the Less and Joseph and Jude, whom in another place of the gospel we find called the brethren of the Lord. So there's the brethren. Augustine comments here, he says, but whatever may be decided concerning these brethren, yet concerning the Holy Virgin Mary, for the honor of Christ when sin in her is in question i would not have it brought into doubt for from this only we might know that more abundant grace was conferred upon her that she should overcome sin in all, on all sides because she merited to conceive and bring forth him who it is clear had no sin did you get that that's saint augustine saint jerome i mean good grief That's pretty uh, heavy stuff just right there. St. Ambrose weighs in, quote, Nor does he overthrow the duty of filial submission, which is conveyed in the command, Honor thy father and mother, but shows that he owes more to the mysteries and relationship of his father than of his mother. Hmm. Well, what's going on here? As I've always uh, maintained, if you could be as loyal, as, uh, as amazing do the will of the Father as incredible, as obedient, as faithful as Our Lady does, well then yeah, yeah, you too get to be the brother and sister and even mother of the Lord. But let's be honest, we don't even hold a candle to her fiat doing. we will be right back.
0: Protestants like to charge the Catholic Church with changing the Ten Commandments because it omits the prohibition of making graven images found in Exodus 20. But is this true? No. And here's the reason why. Like Augustine, the Catholic Church sees the prohibition of making graven images as merely an extension of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. In light of the context, it seems that Augustine was right, for immediately after God prohibits the making of graven images, he says in verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. The prohibition is against idolatry, not the making of images in an absolute sense. So the Catholic Church didn't change the Ten Commandments. And it's not guilty of idolatry and having statues in his places of worship. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today.
6: I need a mercy. I need a Savior.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Uh, coming up at thirty five past the hour, we asked the question: "Has modern media created an ultra montane papacy or a, a a papacy supremacy? In other words, uh, do we now believe that everything uttered coming from the successor to the chair of St Peter is like <sighs> concrete dogma?" Uh, what's what's caused this situation? What are we talking about here? We're going to have that conversation with Dr. Derek Taylor coming up at 35 past the hour. So stick around for that if you can, and share us with a friend. That'd be grateful, or I'd be grateful. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And yesterday there was an, a story that broke an update in the Father James Jackson case. Now He is uh, FSSP. You might recall we covered this story. <clears throat> I mean, it's been a long time now. What a seriously a year? Almost a year? Yeah, a year practically. Um, and uh, he he was arrested for having possession of child pornography, which is detestable and disgusting. Now, we don't know if he's guilty of that. He was arrested for that. He was uh, released on pretrial conditions awaiting trial which I think is happening in September and and just recently he has been rearrested he's from Rhode Island but he was in Kansas or he was a priest in Rhode Island and uh, was in Kansas when he was rearrested and is being sent back to Rhode Island for a violation apparently of his pre-trial conditions so let me tell you let me share with this this uh article that I saw out of Catholic news agency and we'll jump into it The article says, Father James Jackson, a Rhode Island priest who was arrested on federal and state child pornography charges in October last year, has been arrested in Kansas for allegedly violating the conditions of his release. A court document from U.S. District Court for Kansas and Kansas City shows that Jackson was arrested on Friday, July the 15th. Daniel Thompson, or rather, Daniel Thomas, a spokeswoman for the U.S. Attorney's Office, in uh, kansas said that he was arrested in kansas for allegedly violating the terms of his release he is being transported to the u.s district court of rhode island to face charges there uh, she said thomas added that he is not being charged in kansas she declined further comment jackson a member of the priestly fraternity of saint peter was the former pastor of saint mary's church in providence he was arrested October the 30th by the Rhode Island State Police after an investigation by Rhode Island uh, Computer Crimes Task Force. Task Force. Under the terms of his release, the federal court in November, Jackson was allowed to return to his home state of Kansas to live with a relative while waiting for the charges to be uh, adjudicated. Jim Martin, a spokesman for the U.S. District Court of Rhode Island, said that Jackson was arrested for allegedly. Violating the terms of his pretrial release, it's unclear when Jackson will be returning to Rhode Island, he said. He added that the, quote, nature of the violation has not been disclosed, publicly, close quote. WPRI reported that the police department in Overland Park, Kansas, arrested Jackson last week. Overland Park uh, Police Major James Sutterby said that the department is investigating Jackson, but no charges have been brought against him as of yet, WPRI reported. Jackson's Rhode Island charges came after the state police had executed a search warrant that day at his parish and arrested Jackson after determining that he was the owner of large amounts of child sex abuse material found on an external hard drive in an office area near his bedroom, an affidavit states. Jackson was originally charged with both federal and state offenses, but the state charges were dropped as a procedural move in January. The federal charges of distributing child pornography. Are punishable by up to 20 years. In federal prison. With a minimum mandatory term of incarceration. Of five years. Possessing and accessing with intent. To view, to view child pornography. His other federal charge. Is punishable by up to 20 years of incarceration. His trial is September. And that's the article out of. The Catholic News Agency. Now. I was watching a report this morning by uh, RTF who interviewed a forensics investigator who is uh, very much familiar with the the specifics of this case and who made several phone calls yesterday uh, to authorities in Overland Park, Kansas, as well as in Rhode Island. And according to that report, and possibly we can link to that, but according to that report, Uh, he was arrested for more of the same, was the words used. More of the same. So, and they are investigating him. So, his pre-trial, his pre-trial requirements meant that he was able to go free, awaiting trial, but he couldn't have contact with, like, he couldn't, like, be pulled over, he couldn't have interaction with police in some sort of negative way, and if he did, he had to report it right away. Well, he was apparently had contact with law enforcement because they were investigating him for having possession of more of the same, which we can interpret to mean child pornography, which, again, is detestable and disgusting, if it's true. If, in fact, that is true, right? So, and uh, the theory is that the state will defer to the federal government on this. So no charges will be filed in Kansas. They'll simply give everything over to the Fed for his case there. Um, you know it's interesting because recently, for my birthday, uh, when you when you uh, when you get old, you get less presents. That's just the way that goes. So the presents that I got for my birthday, or one of one of them, I got two two presents. One of the presents was a book by Father Jackson called Nothing Superfluous, and it's about the Holy Mass. It's about uh, it's about the Church. It's about tradition. Patrimony, the beauty and elegancy of what we, uh, what we, uh, how we worship, the liturgy, and much, much more. The church building, the vestments, the uh, the candles. I mean, like literally everything. It's a big, thick book. I should have brought it with me today. It's a thick book. So I started reading this book. I had not read this book before. And of course, there's lots of quotable passages in the book, and I've only shared a couple. But I started putting this online. I started sharing quotes from the book online. And, of course, as, as expected, some have basically said, how could you read this? How could you quote from this? I would not quote from this. This man has committed grievous crimes. To which my initial response was, well, to my knowledge, he has only been charged. He has not been convicted. And we don't actually know. And last time I checked, according to you know, the Constitution of the United States, someone is innocent until proven guilty in this country. Now, my, a year ago, or not even quite, I guess it was October, so just under a year ago, if you remember, if you've been hanging around Catholic Drive Time for that long, I have a video on this very topic uh, on YouTube. I always said, I said back then, and I repeat it now, if in fact it turns out that Father James Jackson is guilty of these heinous uh, allegations, I pray justice is had. I pray he goes to prison. To pay for his crimes. And I pray he repents. For the atrocity. Because it's gross. It's disgusting. Child pornography is evil. And should be uh, it should be done away with on planet earth. If in fact though. he It turns out he is not guilty of these crimes. I pray that his good name will be restored to him. And I wonder how difficult a process that might be. If a priest is... Uh, is, turns out to be not guilty of the crimes he's accused of, does he get to have his public ministry back? Does he get to have his good name back? Now, again, I don't know. I don't I. I don't know Father James personally. I don't have a dog in the race. But I can tell you this, the book, Nothing Superfluous, is pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. So here's the fundamental question. Do you think I should not read his book simply because of these grave uh, allegations? I mean, think about this. There have been many times where we, well, we would uh, condemn people based on sins they have committed. And uh, I see this in the traditional movement. I see it on the opposite side of that same spectrum. Uh, JP2 gets criticized quite heavily in the traditional movement. Is everything JP2 has done or said bad? No, I just I don't think so. I certainly don't believe that. But I do believe there are criticizable things in JP2's pontificate, to be sure. I, I'm thinking of you, Assisi. I'm thinking of you. However, many people who would say, I could never read Father James Jackson now because of these allegations. Yet those same people might, for instance, just as a setting of principle up here, they might also quote to me Origin. They may quote Tertullian to me, for instance. And yet both of those men died heretics in the church. So, why would we quote from origin, which is, I've often said, our favorite, uh, our favorite heretic here on Catholic Drive Time. I've, I've often quoted him myself many times. Why would we quote heretics on the show? Why would we do such things? Because their writing wasn't false. Because their statements that we are quoting are good. And true, irregardless of the sinner that said them. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, the church, as always says, we, uh, we believe as we pray. Our liturgy speaks volumes of the doctrines that we, we believe and hold close to our hearts. And we teach to the whole world, which is, at the heart, what nothing superfluous really is about. So, you can almost erase Father James Jackson's name off the book, and I would challenge you to find anything in the book that would be bad, wrong. I mean, I haven't finished reading it. And if I do find something, well, I'll let you know. But at the same time, it seems strange to me that we are not allowed to have conversations about the the symbolism of candles, of the weather vane, of our vestments, the, the, the sacramentals of, uh, that are embedded in our liturgies and the very framework of the churches we enter for Mass because of the man's name on the cover of the book. A man who has not yet been convicted. And I'll repeat, if in fact he is convicted, if it turns out he's guilty of these crimes, I pray he goes to prison and repents wholeheartedly for the remainder of his life, however long that may be, for this grievous crime, should he be convicted of it. I want justice and truth, because the truth shall set us free. But if he is innocent, what then? Does he get to recover? Does he get to go back to the good old days? No, no, his priesthood is over. No matter how this comes out, his priesthood is over. And in all of our desire for no more shenanigans, and of which I am one of the biggest cheerleaders, I would say, no more shenanigans in the church. I have said it on this show countless times. No more shenanigans in the church. And yet we should not be on witch hunts to track down and to uh, have mob violence, mob justice against priests. We ought to be careful about the justice we seek. We should just simply want truth, the truth itself, to come out. Because the truth will set us free. And Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? So let us pray for those victims caught up in child sex abuse. Because it's a horrible, disgusting, evil crime. And let us pray for truth to be revealed. And justice to be manifested. Amen? We'll be right back. Derek Taylor's coming up next. We're talking about the pontificate.
7: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the church criticized for defending celibacy? What about for defending marriage? Have you ever heard it accused of showing contempt for women, but also sneered at because only women go there? Have you ever heard it attacked for asceticism, but also for extravagance? How about for being dull? How about for being too garish? How about for being too worldly? Or too unworldly? Or insisting that people confess their sins? Or showing too much mercy to sinners? Notice any contradiction among the critics? G.K. Chesterton says, Here's a broad and simple test. If you hear a thing being accused of being too tall and too short, too red and too green, too bad in one way... And too bad also in the opposite way, then you may be sure that it is very good. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org
0: Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the U.S., consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while placing an emphasis on how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law, unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information, AveMariaLaw.edu.
5: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Lifeset reports, Pope Francis to participate in purification ritual with Indigenous people during visit to Canada. Father Christina Bouvet of the Archdiocese of Calgary plans for Pope Francis to participate in a pagan smudging ceremony and pray facing all four directions according to Indigenous customs during the pope's visit to the sacred heart church of the first peoples an elder will process into the church holding a bowl of smoldering cedar sage sweetgrass and tobacco to reportedly purify the church in addition to being an indigenous tradition the smudging ceremony is practiced in witchcraft and wicca ground news reports dutch dairy farmer faces having to cult 95 percent of his cows actually this is from the epic times in the Netherlands, dairy farmer Martin Neppelin Broek is near the end of the line. New environmental regulations will require him to slash his livestock numbers by 95%. He thinks he will have to sell his family farm. He says, quote, I can't run a farm on 5%. For me, it's over and done with, he said in a July 7th interview with The Epic Times. He says quote in view of regulations i can't sell it to anybody nobody wants to buy it but the government wants to buy it and that's why they have these regulations i think unquote the ap reports turkey warns it can freeze sweden and finland's nato process the nordic country's ascension still needs to be approved by parliaments of all 30 nato members and turkey's parliament could refuse to ratify the deal last month turkey lifted its objection to sweden and finland joining the alliance but warned that it would block the progress, the process rather, if they failed to extradite suspects with links to outlawed Kurdish groups or the network of an exiled cleric accused of orchestrating a failed coup in 2016. And those were your headline news this morning.
4: God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. We're trying to get uh, Derek Taylor on the line here for uh, this article he's got out of Crisis Magazine. Has modern media created the ultra-montane papacy? Let me read a little bit of this to you. Uh, I think this is a fascinating conversation. And one we should have because routinely, routinely, every time something happens out of the Vatican or His Holiness Pope Francis makes a statement, there's a good portion of us that get upset about these things, you know. So we're just, where, where do we fall on this? And I find this fascinating because it has some historical context here. The article says, there is much debate these days in conservative and traditional Catholic circles about the papal authority. Pope Francis' pontificate has produced concern about the uses of papal power driven by Francis' apparent contradiction of what have been understood as settled doctrines on moral questions and the teaching of his immediate predecessors. What has undoubtedly flummoxed Catholics concerned with orthodoxy is how many ordinary Catholics don't seem to understand the Pope can't simply will whatever he wants with regard to doctrine. How did things get this way? It's a great question. It's a really good question. Much of this discussion has centered around ultramontanism. The term ultramontane literally means beyond the mountains. It was first used during the investiture controversy of the 11th and 12th centuries when opponents of the German emperor Henry IV appealed to the Pope beyond the mountains in Italy. With the Reformation, theologians made made increasing appeal to papal authority in debates with Protestants. According to Thomas Pink, it was during this period that theologians such as Francisco Suarez and St. Robert Bellarmine, Began to link the church's infallibility with its canonical authority, insinuating that this infallibility in teaching the faith extended to its disciplinary legislation as a means of opposing the claims of absolute monarchs over the church. I find it very fascinating. Joining us right now to discuss this article is Dr. Taylor, Dr. Derek Taylor. Good morning to you, sir. Uh, good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for your time. We're very grateful to have you on the show today. Now, I, it is an interesting question because the church does seem quite split on the issue. Half of us believe everything the Pope says is therefore fiat, no matter what it is. He's the Pope. Who am I? And the other half are like, is he even the Pope? I mean, like, it's a. We're, we are definitely seeing a divided church today. Uh, what say you, Dr. Derek Taylor?
8: Yeah, it's kind of part of the reason I wrote that that article is that, again, I'm not accusing your average Catholic who says that you must obey the Pope in every single thing. Most Catholics are just, you know, they go to church, they do the best they can. I have no real qualm with them. But I think they're being misled by people who, (laughs) look, there, there are certain things the Pope can't do. There are limits to his authority. It's very grand. I, I'm a convert to the faith, I'm an adult convert. One of the reasons I converted was the papacy. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that it has this great authority, but that authority is is meant to preserve what was handed on to it, not just contradict, you know, whatever a current pope thinks should be contradicted or what his supporters should think should be contradicted. And so that's all. The, I was trying to clarify that for the people. It's like, no, this really isn't. This has roots in the past, but it, that's, trust, plus I've had this, everybody's had this this conversation, I think, You talk to somebody about something Pope Francis has said, and somebody will tell me. I've heard people, educated people, tell me, educated Catholics, well, he was chosen by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. At the conclave was absolutely infallible. I'm like that. That's not true. I don't know. I I was really like disturbed. Where does that come from? And you once you read, you know that where that comes from is an abuse of that idea of his Mm -hmm. infallibility. And so it kind of gets it gets connected to things it has nothing to do with, really. So.
4: You know, I'm a convert myself, and when I came into the church, uh, I want to say I, I had a very simplistic view. I, I felt like the just on the surface. After considering the arguments, I got to say Patrick Madrid's uh, Pope Fiction was a real. Defining moment for me. Reading his book, Pope Fiction, helped me to undo a lot of myths and misconceptions about the papacy. For me, as a Protestant, tra- considering the Catholic arguments, um, but yet it's. I felt like I, I'm like, okay, uh, I give. I've given my heart to the church, so uh, the pope's good. Everything's good, and I couldn't fathom the idea. I true, even though I read Pope, uh, Patrick's book, which did include bad popes. I couldn't fathom the idea of a, like, okay, that was way back then, but that's all over with now, and everybody's good these days. Like, I I couldn't fathom the complexity of the human personality who has to sit in the chair of St. Peter.
8: Well, you know, one of the things, and this is something I've thought about a lot, is that, um, you know, since the Reformation, the church has been very careful, very careful about who gets elected pope. Yeah, when you think about it, there hasn't been, and this is the thing about, uh, with Pope Francis, the whole Theodore McCarrick question. I can't, I don't think there's been a question, a moral, like, question about a pope like that since before the Reformation. We've been very fortunate in the modern era to not have to worry about that. But that was going to happen at some point anyway. Like there was just no – but again, we're actually, again, blessed that the modern era – like there's no – you never had any question about popes like that. But again, in the medieval era, you had questions about pope and their teaching occasionally. Mm-hmm. So it has happened. And yeah, it's, but you, you don't think you're going to live through it and say, hey, we, we've gotten through all that. And history, we should move on from that. But history doesn't move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's always possible, unfortunately. We just have to live through it.
3: You know, Dr. Not, Derek but. Taylor, uh, I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, it's so dangerous now because, you know, like you say, like you're saying in your article, there is an element where you start saying things like, oh, yes, uh, the Pope is the oracle of God and everything he says is inspired. And obviously that's not true. But then, like Joe was saying, you then the the danger becomes you might flip onto the other side and I was first brought to this um, this idea of the true look, looking at the papacy in with real lies uh, through Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira with uh, the TFP, and his declaration oh, yeah, yeah. of uh, of resistance. He says, "The Church is not, and the Church never was, and the Church never will be such a prison for consciousness. The bond of obedience to the successor of Peter, which we will never break, which we venerate in the most profound depths of our souls, into which we tribute our highest love." This bond we kiss at the very moment in which, overwhelmed with sorrow, we affirm our position. And on our knees, respectfully looking at the figure of His Holiness, Pope Paul VI, we express our fidelity to the papacy. In this filial act, we say to the pastor of pastors, our soul is yours, our life is yours. Order us to do whatever you desire. Only do not order us to do nothing in the face of the attacking red wolf. To this, our conscience is opposed. And then gives the explanation of his... Uh, Act of recognize and resist and that really struck me as okay Well, you can have a love for the papacy a love for the current reigning pontiff And yet you can resist whenever he is violating your well-formed conscience. What say you?
8: Yeah, that's about. that's the the correct thing is that you're you have to be clear you're doing this because you, you know It's easy for people who they feel they feel betrayed right and they get angry and i've gone through this you let that you can let that anger really warp your mind and if it comes down if you go down that route yeah you can fall away from the faith and so it's it's a difficult thing morally uh and intellectually to deal with and that's again part of the reason i wrote the essay was to give people like hey look you're not crazy <laughs> you're not crazy something's wrong here um but it is not necessary without Precedent and and uh, that statement you mentioned was actually very good. That like you impose in contr you do it because you believe sincerely believe this is true and not that and not because because I get I know people who've just they let it go they let their let themselves go emotionally their passions go and it just turns to hate and like it's just it's a bad thing. I always have to keep charity. Charity is the first charity yeah. is a to me is like an intellectual virtue because you can't think clearly unless you. If you're hate violently hatred toward hating towards someone,
4: hold that thought. We're talking with Dr. Derek Taylor. His article is uh, "Has Modern Media Created the Ultra-Montane Papacy?" and it's over at Crisis Magazine, CrisisMagazine.com. We're going to conversate more about this on the other side of the break. So don't go anywhere. It's the drive time. We'll be right back.
6: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who did God use to get John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's your choices. Could it have been Simeon or St. Joseph or maybe an unknown prophet? Maybe Jesus. Who was it? Your answer in a moment. Secondly, so what methods do we see in the New Testament for Christians receiving the Holy Spirit? Well, it was usually through the laying on of hands. Peter and John laid hands on those in Samaria. St. Paul laid hands on those believers in Ephesus. Prior to that, we see Jesus merely breathing on the apostles. So here's your answer. A greeting. Yes, a greeting. You see, after Gabriel's powerful annunciation to the Virgin Mary, a simple, profound greeting from Mary to Elizabeth caused John the Baptist to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he leaped in her womb. Now, to all my daring Pentecostal church friends, no matter how much you pray in tongues over someone, this method won't work. Why? Because it's not a method. It was the divine team of the Blessed Trinity, Gabriel, Mary, and Elizabeth. And that, my friend, will not happen again. Hey Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do
0: we do?
7: Ask her to pray for us.
0: As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and
7: pass it on.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Dr. Derek Taylor is our guest. He is an adjunct professor uh, on on history, I believe. Isn't that correct? Your history history prop? Yeah. Praise be to God. I love Mm -hmm. history, uh, but I don't like history props because they want homework, and I don't like homework. So (laughs) So don't take that personally. I agree. Don't take that personally. (laughs) Uh, He's got a great article over at Crisis Magazine. The headline says, Has Modern Media Created the Ultramontane Papacy? And as I said at the top of the uh, conversation, Ultramontane means over the mountains. It has its historical roots in going over the mountains uh, to seek clarification from the Pope uh, and that sort of, that the trend grew. And of course it goes all the way back, right? I mean, you go back to uh, to the earliest uh, church in the first century. I think it was like the third Pope wrote a letter to the Corinthians, like Clement of Rome, and he's like, listen you Corinthians, there's a reason why St. Paul is smacking you upside the head, you knucklehead! I mean like uh, so what gave him the right the authority to do so? He f- certainly felt he had that as being the successor of Peter, so it's not like it was invented uh, in the Protestant Reformation, but it was th- this Montaigne, uh, ultra uh controversy did get to a somewhat of a of a fevered pitch during Vatican I. Tell us about that.
8: Oh yeah, that's um, what happened. And I point this out in the article is that people had made you know not just you know. Reason the claims for the exalted power of the papacy in the past, but they've made you know rhetorical claims that were kind of crazy in the middle ages and stuff like this but it was always between elites it was always between among the educated what happens in the nineteenth century that's very different is that for the first time you have a, a you know a, the the printing press right a, a, but it can reach you know a mass audience and you have these you have these um you have these news people um who uh, who create the sort of popular first popular Catholic press that tries to reach the masses? And one of the people I mentioned there is very famous. His name's Louis Bouillot, and he's a Frenchman. And he actually did some good for the Church. He actually did some good things. But the rhetoric he used in the run-up to Vatican I to try to, to try to basically destroy opposition to the definition of papal fallibility within the Church. I, I list some of that stuff in in the article. It's really it's insane. I mean, if you take it literally, it's idolatry. It's just straight up like people were referring to the pope as the vice god on earth. Um there's a nice <laughs> there's a nice uh quotation in there from uh Catholica, the Jesuit uh journal which I think it, the the quote is uh whenever the pope meditates, it's God who is thinking directly through <laughs> him. <laughs> Again, this was this wow. <laughs> was this was meant to sort of demonize mm-hmm. any opposition to this definition. And there were people who were Good Catholics who were opposed to that definition John henry is the most famous one, and he wasn 't opposed to the actually he believed that he believed the things that Vatican I taught even before it taught it. He was worried about the context of it, whether it was the right time for it, and all that stuff in fact i didn 't mention this in the article actually uh Pius the ninth wasn 't convinced this was the right thing to do his uh, His advisors were very they were very extreme, <laughs> and they basically sort of convinced him to do this to call the council for that reason. The but documents about Vatican I, I think are from most part great, actually. So I'm not casting aspersions on them. But the rhetoric that that sort of sold this to the Catholic population, it could be like the stuff I quoted in the article. It, it's crazy. When I first read it, I was my eyeballs went. I'm like, this is this is nuts. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where you get a lot of this exaggeration coming from in the modern era. Is just you know, it, mass media is very powerful mm-hmm. and. um and a lot of times, even in the 19th century, uh, Pius IX, he passed away. After his death, Leo 13th tried to put the clamps on some of those, those ultramontane, um, newspapers because they were so extreme. <laughs> um, even though Leo 13th was a great pope, you know, perfect orthodox and everything. So yeah, that's really what does it, and uh, it makes it different in the modern era.
5: Yeah, you know, there seems to be an echo there, you know, with the printing press, development of the printing press, uh, you know, came the accessibility of different documents. People were able to receive all kinds of different things and read different opinions and all that sort of stuff. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the the modern era, though, you know. uh, Now, technology is so widespread, we have just the world in our pocket, really, (laughs) in in our cell phones. Um, how do you think that the uh, th- this concept is is reborn in our, our our modern society today, with so much technology and and the capacity to have conversations like we're having, uh, really uh, instantaneously?
8: It's kind of this. It's actually it's weird. There's a lot of continuity because it's it's different. Like a hundred years ago, it's vastly different. But in some ways, it's there's it's similar because it's just much more powerful technology. It's like it's, it's instantaneous the same you know i, I did my my my, uh, my graduate work my dissertation was on you know pamphleteering in the 17th century and even if you go back that far the promise of the printing press or the promise of of modern media is okay you have the chance to disseminate information more widely the problem is you can disseminate false information more widely mm. that's the whole idea of fake news right like you can you can you, in the ancient world if you wanted to damage someone's reputation if you wanted to you know the uh, for example the ancient roman empire they would do something called what modern historians call the damnatio memoriae they would take your name off of all the public buildings strike your name from records records were so scarce back then you could do that well you can't do that now well, what you can do is, is perpetuate a false narrative mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. and over again. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, and that was the point I was kind of trying to make in the essay. Is like it's it's it, it it's something you have to be careful with. Uh, and even you know this in this pontificate, you've had the papacy complaining about web right-wing websites and all this other stuff, and like <laughs> that's just something you have to deal with. If you're the papacy, you can't control ultimately the image you put out there it's going you're going to be have people uh trying to sort of you know uh undermine that one way or the other and that's been the case since at least the reformation right because the reformation did that too the printing press was uh, was essential to that it's just something we have to deal with we don't have much choice
5: just as a follow up to that you know i'm wondering if i could get your take on this because this is this is something that i've thought about and um maybe, maybe it's not just a coincidence, right well, there's a rise in Catholic commentators today, like you can think of big names like taylor marshall uh r t f et cetera et cetera. They do have a lot of influence um mostly for good, I would say, and I mm-hmm. think that there there is sort of a, a a group of people in the Vatican who pay attention to this sort of stuff, and I'm just wondering, do you think that because of the rise of big Catholic commentators who really uh criticize the 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 papacy uh rightfully so uh, do you think that that has uh, created the sort of response that the vatican has uh, against uh, like uh, traditionalists like traditionis custodis like putting that out and that, that sort of thing what, what do you think about that
8: oh uh, yeah at least in part i mean um most of the the i, I did mention this in my my uh, essay most of the not most there's been other other places but the the mo- biggest pushback uh, toward uh, this papacy, some of its, you know, more questionable aspects has come from the United States. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where you we have a big, huge media presence. You know, that thing is in the United States, we have more money, so we have time to go do all this stuff. And so yeah. that's one of the reasons I think traditionalism flourishes here. So, you know, it takes takes some money to do to traditional mass and everything. We have that in the United States. But yeah, almost certainly, they. I, I think... I I don't know how much they pay attention to it. I mean, it's weird that you think they'd be weird. They wouldn't bother with like bloggers and stuff like that or YouTube Mm -hmm. celebrities, but (laughs) they do. And you know, again, I I go back to Leo the Thirteenth. He did with all these newspapers in the nineteenth century. So they they learned. Well, they learned because you know the press was a part of all these revolutions. You know, the French Revolution, Mm -hmm. and that 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 they learned the press had power, and you had to pay attention to it. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the case, because, yeah, people like, you know, Taylor Marshall has got millions of of viewers on YouTube, and these people have influence.
3: You know, I'm just thinking while you're saying that, that it's, the thing that bothers me the most is the fact that I feel like I'm being, well, the term has become popular, being gaslit, right, (laughs) gaslighting. And so people are like, what? No, nothing's changed. No doctrine's been changed. It's like, but, and then I'm thinking most specifically of the death penalty. I got in trouble for talking about the death penalty in college, and they're like, no, 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 you can't say that the death penalty is is perfectly fine. That's uh, against the church teaching. And I'm like, but but the pope used to have a papal executioner, but yeah. <laughs> but popes have executed people, but we promoted it, but it's in the Bible. And and people are trying to tell me, and I'm just, like, confused, and it took me a while to actually understand What was going on and so that push from the media to try to say don't believe your lying eyes that's what bothers me the most about this position that the pope's authority is over the doctrine over scripture over everything else
8: and that's again that's one of the there are people especially the supporters of francis the media supporters quite frankly some of them are just very dishonest they're just very dishonest
4: yeah one of them passed Uh, away just recently <laughs> the, uh, what's that? The, one of them just passed away recently. The atheist who uh, oh yeah Scalfari. yeah a, a Scalafari. yeah Scalafari, God help so his
6: soul.
8: Yeah, um, uh, and he ha- yeah. There are just people who do this, and it's just very like it's just mm-hmm. you wonder what goes through their mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've got it and again, there. I think I've met, I've talked with very liberal people in the church who aren't like that. Like they're they're more they're not they they. I think they're totally wrong. I think they're yeah. basically embracing. It. They're not. They're not lying to me. Right. And that's the worst part when you feel like someone's being intentionally, dishonest, the other intentionally thing, dishonest.
4: Yeah, the other aspect, I think, to this conversation I think is important to bring up is one could criticize uh, what they see coming from statements from the Pope or what have you, uh, and at the same time, not hate him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, We get lumped into uh, these extremes, like you must therefore... Hate everything, and therefore burn the whole thing down like no mm one could no, one could have great charity and love for a person and still call them out on on these errors and these issues and I think that's kind of where we're at with with a lot of what comes out of the vatican It's like we are we love the church, we love Holy Mother Church, we want the best for Pope Francis for the cardinals for, for everybody involved, but at the same time, we just don't want error being taught.
8: And so that's the thing is you and, and if you are and because I've I've gone through this I've been, I know people who've gone through this you have to pray for these people you have to pray for Pope Francis you can't and the reason why I have to pray is at least partly for yourself you can't really hate somebody if you're praying for them right yeah and that's what, that's what God calls you to do anyway with anyone mm-hmm. and that's why it's a good thing to do and yeah you 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 can't do it it it, it, it ceases to be legitimate criticism. And then it becomes something mm-hmm. else if you do that. And so yeah, and, and look, most people I know they're not hateful against him at all. They're right. just they're just distressed that he's doing all this.
4: stuff. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's really, right. Lack of clarity is very confusing for these times. And uh, you know the other thing too is like uh, the, the 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 biblical text that I go to to discuss the uh, the you know the role of the pope in the church. You know, you go back to the Old Testament, Isaiah 20, or you go Matthew 16. But you go to these other passages, like Matthew 24 or whatever, and you realize it becomes clear that the Lord knew that he was going to have men that were going to be scandalous. They would beat the servants, but he would show up and he'd lay the law and it would be the guy with the keys that would be the most in trouble. So it's not like our Lord is deaf, dumb, or blind to what goes on in his church because it's his. It ain't theirs. Right? Amen? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Dr. Derek Taylor, God bless you. Thank you for your time today. Check out his article at Crisis Magazine. The article is, uh, Has Martin? Modern Media Created the Ultramontane Papacy? We'll link to it on our live video feeds. And God bless you, doctor. That's going to have a great uh, be it for the first hour. If you can join us in the second hour, we'd love to have you. Brent going to catch us up on some pro-life news. We'll see you there. We'll see you tomorrow.
6: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your One Minute Tool for Catholic Evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic Mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic Evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support such as 1st Corinthians 10:16, which says the cup of blessing which we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ and thirdly my honest reflection your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye so then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus body and blood I know the reason just a whole bunch of people have told you that
2: Father John Bartunek, in his book *The Better Part*, wrote, "Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages." and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse he has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
3: Hi, my name is John Henry from St. John Vianney Catholic Church, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
4: Joe McCline, so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We just wrapped up a conversation with Dr. Derek Taylor, a history prof out of Kansas, about his article, Has Modern Media Created Ultramontane Papacy?, And uh, you should check it out. It's over at crisismagazine.com. Very good article, praise be to God. And you can always catch that conversation, if you missed it, on our podcast feed. Again, linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. I do find it difficult, though, to be be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Because I spend so much time working in Catholic apologetics, defending the papacy against... Protestants who would deny the existence of a papacy, in the early church, for instance, that it becomes more tricky in our time to have to like do Pope explaining all the time, <laughs> right? Like that. You got to awkward. do all
5: these like mental gymnastics. Aqu- yes, yeah, Joe, Mr. Pope guy.
4: Well explain this. Yeah, exactly. Explain that one. Well he said this. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, he did. I just remember when people first started messaging me about like <laughs> that, you know, nine years ago. They were like, Mm-hmm. What now? Big guy? And well, was, what are you gonna do? You're like, explain this one, Lucy. You know, you got some explaining to do. You know, I just remember thinking, Oh, oh no, what <sighs> yikes. This is just a one off. It's okay, it's just one little thing. No big deal. Nothing to see here. Move on. Move on. <laughs> it can be. It can be meant this way. It can be meant that way.
5: And then, he did it again. And again. And then,
4: and again. again. And, and it becomes. Com- it becomes complicated. And I've said it a billi- billion times. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, "Golly, Jewess, I can't wait to criticize the Pope," or
5: <laughs> or any priest or clergy member or bishop or what. Like no. Like who does that? Yeah. I don't. We don't. We don't enjoy pointing yeah. out no. the faults of the Holy Father. Yeah. Um But. Or the complexity of his job, it's very, it's very complex, and you have to you have to think about this. At the end of his life, he's going to face judgment like you and me, yeah. And his is going to be far, Mm. far worse because he had the keys. Yeah, like you said, you know, he was he was the servant with the keys, and well, Mm -hmm.
3: (sighs) you know, my first memory, well, my first memory of a issue with Pope Francis was one day I was coming home from school. And my mom had brought up to me something that Pope Francis had said and was like, that's not that's not true, is it? Pope Francis wouldn't say something like that. And I was like, I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was something about had to do with contraception, where they had the whole Amoris Laetitia thing. And no, then yeah. the Argentine bishop said, no, this is the proper interpretation of what Pope Francis said. And Pope Francis, is, and then Rome was like, yeah, that's the right one. And everybody was like, what? And Wait, so my uh, my mom had saw something about that and asked me about it. And I was like, no, Pope Francis didn't say that. That's great. That's just the media. You can't trust the media. That's not true. And I went and I remember bringing it up to one of my professors. My professor was like, well, to be honest, I tried to just ignore everything going on in Rome. And I don't know what you're referring to. Whatever. This is the correct answer to the question. But I don't know if Pope Francis said whatever he said. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. So that was my first wake-up call. And I was like, whoa, something... Something's not right. Something is not right.
5: Something doesn't smell right in, Den- yeah. in Denmark. Something or in Rome. In Denmark. <laughs> or in Rome. Big trouble in uh, little. Big Vatican city.
4: Yeah, but uh, you know, uh, and there is some charity that has to be had in the commentary, right? There yeah. has to. You, you can't. Like I disagree that we should be disrespectful to the to the office, obviously, or even to the person themselves. Um, we have to we have to be charitable even in the commentary, and, and always. And someone asked me once, Joe. You guys talk about some crazy things, man, like really heavy things. How do you do that? Oh, well, you just err on the side, and I use the term catechism. You just err on the side of catechism. If, you're, if you err on the side of what the church teaches, holds to, passes on uh, the traditions either by mouth or by letter, as St. Paul would say, well, then if God is with Damn. you, who can be against you? Yeah, I mean, it, And the idea is not to create division or controversy, but rather... To shed light into a darkness, because the light will vanquish the darkness. And that's always a good thing, right? Praise be to God. Amen. Well, speaking of light in a dark world, uh, Brent Haynes is here. Uh, He is an attorney, Catholic speaker, and our uh, our on-the-team expert for pro-life, religious liberty, anything at the Supreme Court, all stuff like that.
7: And a stand-up guy.
4: And a stand-up guy. And a photographer, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Good morning to you, Brent Haynes. Good morning, Joe. Are you, are you sure you're talking about me? Mm-hmm. I am you know the only the only real downside you have, Brent, uh, is that you 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 have opted to shoot photography with a Fuji camera. Uh, other than that, oh. I think you're a great guy. Um, <laughs> y- you passed up some wonderful cameras to get to Fuji, and I'm so sorry you've done so. Yeah, you could have got a Sony. You could have wise, gone wise man. you could have gone Panasonic could've Lumix. Gone Canon. And your life would have been. I'm teasing. What does the Constitution say about that? We've got to have a show just on camera someday. Just because. Come on, into you, Brett. Let's talk about something more important in the world. Let's talk about some pro life uh, news. I saw this out of. Uh, you, I think you saw it out of Fox. I saw it out of Life Side News. Flight attendant fired for pro life views wins $5.1 million lawsuit against airline. What's the deal here?
9: You know, it's interesting, Joe. You say you saw it out of Life Side and. I did see that out of Fox, I also saw it out of um, the Daily Wire. Um, Other than a few brief, um, not entirely one sided, but certainly not uh, entirely objective, other than a few brief television news stories on this, this is typical of the kind of news item that is not getting a lot of coverage, but it's pretty significant, especially for those of our listeners, uh, like some members of my parish who have approached me privately. Uh, who are concerned about their ability to express their opinions in their private social media accounts. And they're concerned because they are afraid that their employers will find out and that they will be disciplined or even fired at work because of that. And this is what happened to a flight attendant at Southwest Airlines in 2017. She sent some social media posts or messages to... A member of the flight or leader of the flight attendants union, the uh, to work at Southwest Airlines, they're governed by federal law, not state law. Even though know, she was in Texas, uh, Texas is a right-to-work state, so there are not a lot of uh, mandatory union laws in Texas. Uh, there are not a lot of uh, man, you know requirements that you have to join a union to work to to work for a certain certain companies, but airlines are, of course are uh, an interstate business and they're governed by federal law so this woman uh, Charlene uh, Charter or Cap- Captain Charter worked for uh, Southwest Airlines as a flight attendant for 20 years, she uh, was a member of the union for several years and then she resigned but she was still required to pay dues uh, because that's the federal law and, of course, she still has the right to speak about, you know, union issues because she's paying dues. But the point is she and all other employees are required to pay dues. Now, this is an age-old debate that goes about unions that has gone on since unions have existed. Once union members pay these dues, one of the things unions do, and the best example is the teachers' union, but one of the things these unions do is they take that money and they go and they act uh, for political advocacy. Well, the transportation union that this flight attendant, Charlene Carter, was a member of, uh, yeah, they took some of their money and went to the 2017 March for Women in Washington, D.C., which was sponsored in part by Planned Parenthood. Well, um, she um, took exception to this, and she sent some social media posts to her. Now, allegedly, according to you know One News Report, some of the social media posts she sent included some descriptive pictures of the results of abortion. That's pretty strong. A lot of us in the pro-life community have views on how or when or if those kinds of images should be used, but you know that's part of the knock-down, drag-out debate sometimes that you have in a free democracy with free speech over difficult issues. And look, those are the facts of the abortion issue. Well, this woman who is the Vaunted leader of the union, she complained to Southwest Airlines they fired this flight attendant of 20 years wow. because of political messages she sent to a union she is required to pay dues to on her private social media
4: account. Hmm.
9: And Southwest Airlines fired her, Joe. That's crazy. Scary.
4: That is scary. You know, I had something uh, uh, not not the same, but... Along the lines, anyway, back when Hillary Clinton was running for president, I made a statement on my private social media that Hillary Clinton wasn't pro-life. And someone tried to get me fired over that. They uh, called, lodged complaints. Could you imagine Joe McClain, who obviously represents the Guadalupe Radio Network? He made this statement that Hillary Clinton isn't pro-life and we can't vote for her. Therefore, he must lose his job. He must be unemployed. Like, it's bizarre thinking, but it, the cancel culture is real, and it's alive and well in this country.
9: It is very real. I mean, this was a flight attendant of 20 years. Anybody who who flies, especially those who've flown recently, and, you know, I flew just a, a, uh, a month ago for uh, my friend's ordination to the priesthood, which happened a month ago today, and, you know, flight attendants do a difficult job, Um And, you know, they put up with a lot. You know, we've seen items in the news about it. They have a difficult enough time, but no matter what your job is, you should be free to utilize your First Amendment uh, rights in your private life. Well, uh, Charlene Carter filed suit in federal court in Dallas, Texas, and she claimed uh, in part violations of her religious beliefs. And there is a question as to whether even the, the lawsuit should be allowed to go on. If for some reason it gets reversed on appeal, it will probably be on those grounds that somehow procedurally the lawsuit itself wasn't proper. Um, you know, Southwest Airlines of course maintains, uh, as these companies always do, you know, they always give the language of, uh, well, we respect our, you know, our employees' rights to free speech, but they said, you know, this was abusive and this woman, that, that the union woman felt harassed. Well, the judge, denied Southwest Airlines, and she also sued the union, denied Southwest Airlines and the union's uh, motions to dismiss. Mm. It went to a jury, and the jury awarded $5.1 million total in compensatory and punitive damages against Southwest Airlines wow. and the union. $4.15 million against Southwest, $950 million against Local 556 of the Transport Workers Union. Now, look, Most of the time, punitive awards don't stand up. They get reduced or they get negotiated uh, so that they get reduced. But this is still a loud, uh, significant message to employers, that they need to be careful when they are infringing on their private employee, their employee's private uh, speech. Mm-hmm. Also, it's significant that this is in Dallas, Texas. People think of Texas as a conservative state. Dallas is not a conservative city or a conservative <laughs> <Yeah>. county, not <laughs> yeah. by a long shot.
4: Neither is Austin. Neither is San Antonio. Neither is, is Houston, which is all of the major cities in 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 the state of Texas aren't conservative. Let that sink in. There,
9: there, there are there are hardly any urban areas that could be considered conservative and the fact that this woman could win a 5 million dollar verdict in a from a Dallas jury should cause the human resources departments and the corporate offices around the country to hopefully wake up and hopefully take a step back mm-hmm. and decide not to infringe as much on the free speech rights of their employees so we'll see what happens at the yeah. appellate level it'll go to the federal 5th circuit Probably the challenges will be mostly procedural. But this is a significant victory for employees who want to go out and engage in free speech rights. And I know there's real fear out there because I've been approached more than once in my own parish privately by people who are concerned, people who work for Fortune 500 companies and other large employers, where they've been you know, warned about their social media accounts. So this is a real problem because, as you yeah. said, cancel, culture, cancel yeah. culture is real.
4: Yeah, for sure. I have friends in the military who... Uh, I've you know used to have great conversations, candid conversations, and they they too have been like, "ixnay on the social media," a you know no more <laughs> no more talking here. I got to cancel everything or I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, so it's a real That's concern. That's exactly
9: right. There there have been issues with members of the military. There uh, the government has more of an argument because members of the military uh, are in special sensitive positions uh, in terms of their employment and their service and their duty. But that's still very rare, still very real.
4: You know, um, we've had it. many conversations about that uh, from with uh, another attorney, uh, R. Davis Yance. And uh, he's sir, he's trying to finish out a 20 year career in the Marine Corps. And uh, of course, I served in the Marine Corps. You know, when you raise your right hand and you swear to uphold the Constitution, Nowhere in that oath that we make, as uh, men and women who served, we say, and by the way, I give up my First Amendment rights along the way. Like, it's not a thing, (laughs) but somehow it's become a thing in our country. It's sort of a given thing. So it's a very concerning reality that we have to live in. But God bless you, Brent Ains. Thank you for your time today. Always fun to have you on and uh, keeping us up to date. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Joe. All right. Praise be to God. Time to play a game. Fear and trembling with prizes at stake. And you could win. All you got to do is pick up a phone and dial 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be our contestant. Brand new prize pack this week. We're so grateful for it. Again, 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now.
2: Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics?
1: 1 Peter 315 says... Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two. You don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture. Read the catechism. Listen to apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three. Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but He's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what i call the doctrinal dance you get asked about purgatory mary the pope sacraments all in rapid fire succession before you can answer one question you're asked another then another just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say then move on rule number six never be afraid to say i don't know when asked a question about your faith don't try to wing it however always follow i don't know with but i will find out and get back to you and make sure you do A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe
10: Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
0: Welcome to another round
8: of Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation
11: by the seat of your pants it's a 50 50 chance and prizes are involved avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth call now to take your shot
4: 877-757-9424 and now your host joe mcclain praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time and fear and trembling the catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas so do me a favor Don't tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. All right? That's the deal. And if you promise, I will share with you all of my secrets and my agendas. That phone number is 877-757-9424. But there are some things we like to do on the show. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments intentionally, sneakily, Behind the scenes, we look for teachable moments in the, in the questions that you might learn something about your Catholic faith that you didn't know before. Just think about how much fun you're going to have at the next cocktail party you attend when you share these incredible facts. You see what I'm saying? And number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers are actually the best. Praise be to God. They laugh with us and we enjoy that most. And then, of course, number three, we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody involved. So, if you are new here, I shall explain. I have three Catholic trivia questions sitting in front of me, but I do not ask the caller the questions. So, they don't need to know the correct answers, but could still win the game. I will ask instead Rudy and Adrian. One of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. And the caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whoops! do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer goes into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize.
7: Praise what be to win? God.
5: Praise be to God. we got a really good sponsor this week. St. Wave has generously offered anything in their shop. One thing, one item on their shop. So the winner this week, who gets drawn out of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence, is going to win something. I'm going to put you in contact with them. And they've also uh, given us another goodie, but... Uh, you're gonna have to tune in to the to the uh, to the email mm-hmm, email blast mm-hmm. if you want to get that, and that's gonna go out this week. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, Saint Wave is a very it's a very special uh, sponsor here. All right, so uh, they craft unique designs with throwback aesthetics for those who love their Christian faith. Wow! And uh, you don't have to be a saint to enjoy these garments. No, but it couldn't hurt. So yeah. check out their Etsy shop, Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Saint Wave Apparel. Wow. Praise be to God. Thank you, St. Wave Apparel. All right, let's go
4: to the phones. Jude, our friend from South Houston. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Mr. Jude. Hello, Mr. Jude. How have you been? It's been a long time since we talked to you. How have you been? Yeah, very well. No problem. Praise be to God. Are you enjoying this uh, streak of 100-plus degree weather in in the uh, muggy yeah. city of Houston, Texas? Yeah. <laughs> You're well you're the only one then who's enjoying <laughs> this incredibly hot crazy weather we're having uh praise be to god Jude. Yeah, by the way, you're from Nigeria, is that correct? Nigeria?
12: Yes, yes, you are you are correct.
4: I am reading a book right now uh about a man by the name of Remi Adeleke whose father was a tribal chief in uh, Nigeria, but uh, after his dad died, he's grown up in the United States, became a Navy SEAL, and others. I'm going through his story right now. So uh, anyway, just thought there was a very interesting connection there. Mr. Jude, you are, you are a veteran of this game. You, you very much know how this works. Uh, do you have any, uh, do you have any uh, recommendations for those that might not be? Do you any uh, in, insider baseball about how to properly navigate the tricky waters of Rudy and Adrian?
7: <laughs>
12: yeah, you, you, you just need to watch out mm-hmm. and then, you know, mm-hmm. uh, those who are tricky, so all yeah. of you guys are tricky, they are dead. Yeah, we need to figure it out very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. Well, as long as I'm on your side, we can do this. I say,
5: if Joe was a country, mm-hmm. he would be Australia, full of very what? strange, turbulent, no. shark-infested waters, <laughs> <with> <laughs> spiders, and I jellyfish. I am on Jude's snakes. side. It's Jude Down and I, under.
4: and let's play. Let's play the game. We will start with Rudy, as is our tradition, our church-approved tradition, our custom. Our uh, patrimony. Uh, I don't know. I got to come up with some others. Uh, well, good morning uh, to you, team, Rudy. Oh, well, good morning. By the way, no tie today. No so tie. Correlate that information much, too, much as you see hot. fit. Much too hot. Is that the answer? Is it's because it's too hot? It's huh? just
5: too hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, Rudy, can you tell me who is the? <laughs> this is your kind of question, by the way. It really? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
5: Well. Can you tell me who is the patron saint of bankers, please? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Patron saint of bankers, that would be Saint Scrooge. or oh. MacDoug. Really, Mac yeah. who? MacDoug. Doug. 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 I should
4: know that. He's Scottish, like. <laughs> yeah. I should have that memorized. Okay. Of the of the MacDoug clan. Looked yeah. up. I got it. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good, Adrian. You, sir, are an expert in all things bankery. Oh. Uh, yes. So I know that because I read your CV. Yes. And Yes. Uh, sure,
5: I'm
3: nobody, sure nobody <laughs> embellishes a CV.
5: No, no, don't, don't trust Adrian. He's a usurer. He's a usurer? He's, he's really? All right. I'm still anyway, paying him back. Anyway, let's stay
4: focused. Hey, who is the patron saint of bankers, Adrian? The patron saint of bankers? Well,
3: I used to work for Larry Massey. Larry ah, Massey. I see the yes. connection. I know he's can't. <laughs> he <laughs> yes. was a banker. He was a banker. Forever. He, he was, was banker. a banker forever. Got it. And so my buddy Larry Massey, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, by knowing him, yep. I got to know the saint Santa Bankers. Okay. And that would
4: be Yeah. St. Matthew. Oh, that seems too on the nose. Mm. Are you saying the tax collector guy mm. is this Pedro Santa Bankers? I would. Okay. I would. Mm. Well, Mr. Jude, you've got options. Adrian says Saint Matthew, the tax collector, was or is the patron saint of bankers, whereas Rudy seems to think it's Saint Scrooge McDowk. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Jude, what say you? Oh, okay,
12: Saint
7: Matthew, according to Adrian, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Scrooge McDougal.
6: You <got> it. McDowk. <laughs>
4: Correct. it is in fact St. Matthew it is not Scrooge McDuck or (laughs) Doubt. good grief Rudy you see what we got to deal with here Jude alright let's go to question number two Uh, this one I never like these kinds of questions because I can never remember the order of things but nonetheless we shall ask them and we're going to go to Adrian first Adrian yes (sighs) what is the second station of the cross sir the second
3: station of the cross you say yes please ah yes well as a self-identified doctor of station of the cross yes ology ology yes <laughs> stashology is what we call our called our, our field of study and you know that would be
4: uh-huh the scourging at the pillar the, s- the scourging at the mm-hmm. pillar that's mm-hmm. your that's the second
3: that's my For professional you. opinion Your your profa- i mm-hmm. see uh-huh mm-hmm. okay well that's fun
4: at um stashologist hey rudy Hey, uh, Joe. Uh, as a knuckle-dragger layman, uh, maybe you can answer this, uh, but can you tell me what the second station of the
5: cross is? I'm a professional knuckle- knuckle-dragger. All right, so picture it now. Uh-huh. They take off the violent vestment that oh. they put on him to uh-huh. to mock him, yep. and that rips open all of the wounds Ooh. from Ouch. the scourging. Yikes. And they mm-hmm. then. Yep. Put the cross on his shoulders. Oh, just think of all the crazy ah, just ah, it's just awful to think about what our Lord went through for us. The second station is he takes up his cross. Wow, I seem to
4: remember Padre Pio having that wound. Ooh, the fifth wound nice. of the stigmata. Interesting. Okay, well Jude, you got options. The second station of the cross is it as Rudy says Jesus takes up his cross, or is it as Adrian says Jesus is scourged at the pillar? Fifteen seconds on the. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mr. Jude, what say you?
8: Yeah, Jesus takes up cross.
4: So you're going with Rudy on this one. Just you're just gonna go with Rudy, then, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to play the uh, the team Rudy uh, sounder, I guess. Every time he wins, mm.
5: we'll come up with something. Rudy.
4: Anyway, you are correct. In fact, it is Jesus takes up his cross is the second station. Congratulations, Mr. Jude. You're in for two. It could be a perfect score. It could be. But I'm going to be honest with you. This next question is easily the easiest question of the day. So let's do it. It is definitely the hardest question we've ever had in the history of the game. Hardly the hardest. It is easily the easiest. It's over. It's over. It's completely over. (laughs) All right. We're we're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy. Can you tell me, what is the title given to the priest appointed to exercise the sacred ministry in an institution such as a prison, a hospital, an orphanage, or a branch
5: of the military? What do we call him? Now, you've heard of a missionary priest. I have. But have you heard of a mercenary priest? I have not. Because that's what they're called. They go out into very dangerous situations like jails, Uh orphanages, Uh uh, branches of the military. Okay.
4: Hospitals. You're saying mercenaries, your yeah. answer. mercenary. Mercenary. Priest. Okay. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the title given to the priest appointed to exercise the sacred ministry in an institution such as a prison, hospital, orphanage, or branch of the military? What are are you asking
3: them? me what the title of a given to a priest who is appointed to exercise the sacred ministry in the institution such as a prison, hospital, orphanage, or branch of the military? I am. Oh, yes. <laughs> that would be a chaplain.
4: A chaplain, Yes. yes. Okay. Well, Mr. Chaplain. Jude, is it Chaplin, as Adrian says, or is it mercenary, as Rudy says, 15 seconds on the clock? Who is right? Who is wrong? Who's expendable? Mr. Jude, what say you?
6: Yeah, Chaplin.
4: Chaplin. I can't see Mercenary. I can't see Merc. Maybe when, during the Cristeros, maybe maybe he was a mercenary <laughs> then, but chaplain is the correct answer. Of course. Mr. Jude, perfect score. Congratulations! You didn't fall for any of that shenanigans. Well done, sir. Thank you. God bless no, you, Mr. Jude. You,
7: you have a I great know, day. You,
4: and that is yeah. going to do it for the radio side of our show today. I want to thank our, our our guests, Brent Haynes, of course, and Dr. Derek Taylor. Praise be to God. Uh, from Crisis Magazine. Great conversation. Make sure you're on the email list, and I'll share more of those conversations with you in the email this week, later this week, as well as the goodie from our prize sponsor this week. I'll send that to you as well. But otherwise, uh, if you can come back tomorrow, we would surely love to have you. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to have a great conversation with Alex Newman about the World Economic Forum, and David L. Gray will also be on tomorrow. Otherwise, we'll see you in the after show. GRNOnline.com forward slash CDT.
2: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time
0: The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi,
12: Texas. The Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Tuesday in the 16th week of Ordinary Time. All right, the intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Praise to the holiest in the height and in the depth be praise in all his words, most wonderful, most sure in all his ways. O loving wisdom of our God when all was sin and shame A second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. In the name of the
10: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
12: And with your spirit.
10: Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life.
12: Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
11: Let us pray. Show
10: favor, O Lord, to your servants and mercifully increase the gifts of your grace that made fervent in hope, faith, and charity they may be ever watchful in keeping your commands through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
12: Amen. Amen.
13: A reading from the book of the prophet Micah. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, that dwells apart in a woodland in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old, as in the days when you came from the land of Egypt. Show us wonderful signs. Who was there like you, the God who removes guilt and pardon sin for the remnant of his inheritance, who does not persist in anger forever, but delights rather in clemency, and will again have compassion on us, treating, treading underfoot our guilt. You will cast into the depths of the sea all our sins. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and grace to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, show us your mercy and love. Lord, show us us your your mercy and love. love. You have favored, O Lord, your land. You have brought back the captives of Jacob. You have forgiven the guilt of your people. You have covered all their sins. You have withdrawn all your wrath. You have revoked your burning anger.
12: Lord, show us your mercy and love.
13: Restore us, O God, our Savior, and abandon your displeasure against us. Will you be ever angry with us, prolonging your anger to all generations?
12: Lord, show us your mercy and love.
13: Will you not instead give us life, and shall not your people rejoice in you? Show us, O Lord, your kindness, and grant us your salvation.
12: Lord, show us your mercy and love. Alleluia, Hallelujah! Alleluia. Alleluia, 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 Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. alleluia. The Lord
10: be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. While Jesus was speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers appeared outside, wishing to speak with him. Someone told him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, asking to speak with you. But he said in reply to the one who told him, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my heavenly Father is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord.
12: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
10: Sometimes hear the old saying that blood is thicker than water referring to the strength of family bonds and family ties. And we can even think back to centuries gone past, where within uh, monarchies, they would marry into other monarchies to strengthen alliances and allegiances based on a bond of blood. And of course, we know the importance of what family means to each of us. But today's gospel really highlights that there's something even more important than family bonds and that is our bond in the Christian family united to doing the will of the Father. I think today's gospel, it's important to note that it isn't that Jesus dismisses the importance of the family unit or the purpose of the family as we know as the natural building block upon which all of society is built, but rather he orients the love of the family toward the will of God, to say family in and of itself is great, But there's something even more important, which is to be united together in trying to accomplish the will of the Father. That this is the most important goal of our life. It's not diminishing family, but rather highlighting the importance of being able to accomplish God's will. I think for each of us, it is a reminder that every day when we wake up in the morning, um, we are called to remind ourselves that our focus for the day is to be to complete God's will to be able to discern his will and then to bring it to fruition and nothing is more important than that. In that context, of course, we can see that today's gospel is certainly not any kind of uh dis of Jesus's mother Mary, but rather it really is highlighting her prominence that yes, uh, she is the mother of God, she's the mother of Jesus, but she's also most perfectly mother in the sense of being the one who most perfectly accomplished the will of her Father alongside her divine Son, Jesus. And so today, let us ask God for the grace that through the intercession of our uh, Blessed Mother Mary that we would apply ourselves assiduously every day of our life to, to know God's will and then to strive with all our heart to fulfill it. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord.
12: Lord, hear our prayer.
10: We pray for all bishops and government leaders that they would be guided by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in all their decisions. We pray to the Lord.
12: Lord, hear our prayer.
10: We pray for the sick and the suffering that they would be given consolation in their faith and the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord.
12: Lord, hear our prayer.
10: We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord.
12: Lord, hear our prayer.
10: We pray for the strength and grace to be able to accomplish God's will. We pray to the Lord.
12: Lord, hear our prayer. And
10: for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our
12: petitions and
10: granting our prayers through Christ our Lord.
12: Amen. Most ancient of all mysteries, before your throne we lie. Have mercy now, most merciful, most holy Trinity. When heaven and earth were still unmade, When time was yet unknown, you in your radiant majesty did live and love alone. You were not born, there was no source from which your being flowed. There is no end which you can reach, for you are simply God. How wonderful creation is the work which you did bless. What then must you be like, dear God, eternal loveliness? Most ancient of all mysteries, before your throne we lie Have mercy now and evermore, most holy trinity.
10: Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the almighty Father.
12: May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. O
10: God, who in the one perfect sacrifice brought to completion varied offerings of the law, accept, we pray, this sacrifice from your faithful servants and make it holy as you bless the gifts of Abel so that what each is offered to the honor of your majesty may benefit the salvation of all through Christ our Lord.
12: Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit.
11: through Christ our Lord. In Him you have been pleased to renew all things, giving us all a share in His fullness. For though He was in the form of God, He emptied Himself, and by the blood of His cross brought peace to all creation. Therefore he has been exalted above all things, and to all who obey him has become the source of eternal salvation. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we
12: acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenisum celi et terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Quivenit in nomine Domini, osana in excelsis.
10: To you therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church, Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and Apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants, and all gathered here, whose faith and devotion are known to you. For them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them for the redemption of their souls and hope of health and well-being and paying their homage to you the eternal God living and true in communion with those whose memory we venerate especially the glorious ever-virgin Mary mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ and blessed Joseph her spouse your blessed apostles and martyrs Peter and Paul Andrew James John Thomas James Philip Bartholomew Matthew Simon and Jude Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmas and Damian, and all your saints. We ask that through their merits and prayers, in all things, we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation Giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands.
11: the mystery of faith we proclaim your death, O
12: Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again.
10: Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed Passion, the resurrection from the dead and the glorious ascension into heaven, of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, Offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the Just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants who though sinners, hope in your abundant mercies, graciously grant some share in fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter.
11: O God almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours for ever and ever Amen Pray Chapis Salutar Bismoniti Edivina institutione Formati audemus Musendere. Pater qui
12: quies in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, in celo et in terra,
11: panem
12: nostrum coditianum da nobis hodie et no nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, ser libera nos
11: Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy
10: and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with, with your, your spirit. spirit. Let us offer each other the
12: sign of peace. Agnus Dei, tollis peccata mundi, misere nobis, Agnus de hei, qui tolis peccat amundi, miserere no hobis. Agnus de hei, qui dona no bis parachem.
10: Behold the Lamb of God.
12: Father, we thank Thee who has planted Thy holy name within our hearts. Knowledge and faith and life immortal, Jesus, Thy Son, to us imparts. Thou, Lord, didst make all for thy pleasure, Didst give man food for all his days, Giving in Christ the bread eternal, Thine is the power, be thine the praise. Watch o'er thy church, O Lord, in mercy. Save it from evil, guard it still. Perfected in thy love, united, cleansed and conformed unto thy will. As grain once scattered on the hillside was in this broken bread made one, so from all lands thy church be gathered into thy kingdom by thy Son. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Tecum, Benedicta Tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris Tu, Iesus, Sancta Maria, madre Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, Lunt et in hora mortis nostre. Amen.
10: Let us pray. Graciously be present to your people, we pray, O Lord, and lead those you have imbued with heavenly mysteries to pass from former ways to newness of life through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord.
12: Thanks be to God. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day, the moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word, and then pro.
2: peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
10: Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
0: you're listening to KSHJ 14 14-